0: This is John W. Whitehead, author of Battlefield America, The War on the American People, bringing you a message about the state of our nation. Those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it, said George Santayana, the great philosopher, Well, let me tell you, we never learn. In the right or wrong hands, benevolent plans can easily be put to bad purposes. Even the most well-intentioned government law program can be and has been perverted, corrupted, and used to advance illegitimate purposes once profit and power are added to the equation. The war on terror, the war on drugs, the war on illegal immigration, asset forfeiture schemes, roadside safety schemes, school safety schemes, eminent domain, All these programs started out as so-called legitimate responses to pressing concerns and have since become weapons of compliance and control in the police state's hands. Mark my words, red flag gun laws, which allow the police to remove guns from people suspected of being threats, will only add to the government's power. These laws, growing in popularity as a legislative means by which to seize guns from individuals viewed as a danger to themselves or others, are yet another Trojan horse, a stealth maneuver by the police state to gain greater power over an unsuspecting and largely gullible populace. Thirteen states now have red flag laws on their books, and that number is growing. As the Washington Post reports, these laws, and I'm quoting, allow a family member, roommate, beau, law enforcement officer, or any type of medical professional to file a petition with a court asking that a person's home be temporarily cleared of firearms. It doesn't require a mental health diagnosis or an arrest, unquote. In the midst of what feels like an epidemic of mass shootings, these gun confiscation laws, called extreme risk protection order laws, may appease the fears of those who believe that fewer guns in the hands of the general populace will make our society safer. Of course, it doesn't always work that way. Anything – knives, vehicles, planes, pressure cookers – can become a weapon when wielded with deadly intentions. With these red flag gun laws, the intention is to disarm individuals who are potential threats. At first glance, it appears to be perfectly reasonable to want to disarm individuals who are clearly suicidal or pose an immediate danger to themselves or others. Where the problem arises, of course, is that when you put the power to determine who is a potential danger in the hands of government agencies, the courts, and the police, that's when we're in trouble. We've been down this road before. Remember, the American government that uses the words anti-government, extremist, and terrorist interchangeably has now got this power. Mind you, this is the same government whose agents are spinning a sticky spider web of threat assessments, behavioral censoring, warnings, flag words and suspicious activity reports, using automated eyes and ears, social media, behavior-sensing software, and citizens to spy to identify potential threats, again has this power. This is the same government that keeps re-upping the National Defense Authorization Act, or the NDAA, which allows the military to come to your door, detain you as an American citizen with no access to your friends, family, or courts if the government believes you to be a threat. This is the same government that has a growing list shared with fusion centers and law enforcement agencies of ideologies, behaviors, affiliations, and other characteristics that could flag someone as suspicious and result in their being labeled potential enemies of the government. Let that sink in a moment. Let me say it again, let that sink in a moment, red flag gun laws merely push us that much closer toward a suspect society where everyone is potentially guilty of some crime or another and must be rendered harmless. Where many Americans go wrong is in naively assuming that you have to be doing something illegal or harmful in order to be flagged or targeted for some form of intervention or detention. In fact, in much the same way that the U.S. Patriot Act was used as a front to advance the surveillance state and turn every American citizen into a criminal suspect, the government's anti-extremism program renders otherwise lawful, nonviolent activities as potentially extremists. Be warned, once you get on such a government watch list, whether it's a terrorist watch list, a mental health watch list, a dissident watch list, or a red flag gun watch list, there's no clear-cut way to get off whether or not you should actually be on there in the first place. You will be tracked wherever you go. You will be flagged as a potential threat and dealt with accordingly. This is pre-crime on an ideological scale, and it's been a long time coming. Unfortunately, we've made it all too easy for the government to identify, label, target, defuse, and detain anyone it views as a potential threat for a variety of reasons that run the gamut from mental illness to having a military background, believe it or not, to challenging its authority to just being on the government's list of persona non grata. In short... These gun confiscation laws may serve to temporarily delay or discourage those wishing to inflict violence on others, but it will not resolve whatever madness or hate or instability therein that causes someone to pull a trigger or to launch a bomb or unleash violence on another. Nor will these laws save us from government-instigated and directed violence at the hands of American police or the police state itself or the blowback from the war drench violence-imbued, profit-driven military-industrial complex, both of which remain largely overlooked and underestimated pieces of the discussion on gun violence in America. In the long term, all these gun confiscation laws will do is to ensure that when the police state finally cracks down, we the people are defenseless in the face of the government's arsenal of weapons. Certainly, dictators in past regimes have understood this principle only too well. As Adolf Hitler noted, and I'm quoting here, the most foolish mistake we could possibly make would be to allow the subject races to possess arms. History shows that all conquerors who have allowed their subject races to carry arms have prepared their own downfall by doing so, unquote. Starting in December 1935, Jews in Germany were prevented from obtaining shooting licenses because authorities believed that to allow them to do so would endanger the German population. Then, in late 1938, special orders were delivered barring Jews from owning firearms with the punishment for arms possession being 20 years in a concentration camp. The rest, as they say, is history. Yet as I make clear in my book, Battlefield America, The War on the American People, it is a history that we should be wary of repeating. It's time to wake up, folks, before it's too late. The Rutherford Institute is doing its part to push back against the police state and make the government play by the rules of the Constitution. But we can't fight these battles alone. To join the resistance, visit our website at www.rutherford.org and check out our library of thought-provoking commentaries legal resources, and so much more. Subscribe to our email alerts and I will send you my weekly commentary, Rutherford Press alerts, and a weekly rundown of pertinent headlines and news articles to keep you apprised of the growing threats to our freedoms. And finally, if you are able, please consider making a tax-deductible donation to the Rutherford Institute by again visiting us online at www.rutherford.org or donate using PayPal. Your donation allows the Rutherford Institute to push back against the government's power grabs, corruption, and ongoing assaults on the Constitution. Together, we can make America free again.